1: Good Tuesday to you and welcome inside the WKVL Studios of Rocky Top Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser, and you're listening to the Tuesday edition of The Grind. We've got some great topics to talk about today. We've got baseball, football, and 88 days until it's football time in Tennessee. A lot of a lot of cool stories. A lot of what's gonna happen or what might happen is what we'll talk about today. And we'll kick it right off with some baseball. The question remains are we any closer to a 2020 Major League Baseball season? Uh, a lot of a lot of uh, concessions have been made, a lot of discussions been had, uh, but still uh, no agreement between Major League Baseball and the Players Association as to what a shortened season could and would look like. The most recent proposal is from the Major League Baseball side of things and they propose a 76-game schedule. They made An updated proposal to the Major League uh, Players Association on Monday, moving to have a 76-game season with players getting 75% of their prorated salaries. That includes eliminating draft pick compensation for free agents for a year, a $200 million postseason pool for the players, and a postseason that ends no later than October 31st. So, the question comes out is, how much likelier does this proposal get us than the 50 game? I I don't think that it's very much closer at all. Uh, in a 50-game season, better than 76? Uh, what are the biggest sticking points? You know, those are some things we're kind of looking at. Uh, they've asked some of those that are in the know, uh, how likely are the players to accept a 76 proposal? And the answer is, Basically, what I thought, not likely, uh, especially with the playoff caveat uh, that says a lower amount that 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 would be a lower amount if if no postseasons play, no draft pick compensation. Uh, but basically, the bottom line is the players aren't making that much more than the 50 game proposal that they emphatically denied. Uh, looks like if you add this deal up. Uh, players are going to get a roughly 35 percent of their overall contract i'm not i'm no mathematician but i just don't think that's a good deal and i'm and i'm and i'm a fan of of get out there and play i'm a fan of of you know make the the deal one year of short and money and maybe return compensation in, in future years. You know, I'm a fan of that that discussion. But the problem is, is that doesn't seem to be uh the numbers that are thrown out. It says, bottom line, how much likely does uh does Monday's proposal for major league baseball make a twenty twenty major league season? Uh I wouldn't put a number on it, is kind of my take on it. I, I would say uh, this is, this is a stall tactic more than it is a proposed win here. I, 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 see baseball, uh, still coming back with a negative right here. I actually saw some people on social media tweet out an LOL when they saw this proposal. Uh, they, they almost laughed at it and, and it's one of those deals because there's very few concessions on major league baseball side of things. And maybe they don't have a whole lot of room to move. I I, I, I kind of see that side of it in the fact that there, there's no ticket money, there's no concession money, uh, there's no parking money. I mean, it, it's it, if there's no fans in the stands, I, I think it really takes a toll on Major League Baseball. But you still have to play the game. You can't sit here, no pun intended, You can't sit here and say, yeah, we're going to redo this proposal and it comes out to where the end result, the end money, is the same as the last one you rolled out there. You just play more games. So put yourself in harm's way more times for the same money. Um, What are the biggest potential sticking points? You know, that's a a question. For one, the playoff says that that they would only get 50% of their prorated salary if the postseason is canceled. It's going to be hard enough to persuade some of these guys to play for seventy-five percent of their postseason contract, but for for the players that uh, that that maybe are are okay with seventy-five percent, it's going to be hard to shave them back to fifty percent should something happen uh, with the pro with the uh, postseason. Another question. Under this proposal, how much of their total salary would the player make in the season? So based on the pro rate of 75% of the full prorated contract over 76 games, it's roughly a little over 35% of their actual contract. The 50 game what they're calling low ball offer from the players at full pro rate uh, would have would have been about 30.9 while we're at it, 114 game season at full pro rate would have been 70.4. I'm no expert in negotiation, but at this stage, it doesn't seem like the range of disagreement should be this large. Uh, basically, if the playoffs are completed, uh, they would they would get roughly 35% of their original salary, which again, they've not played this early point of the season. So some uh, some off some, some reduction has to be made. Um, but to get a 76-game season in place and complete, the start date would need to be Ju- July the 10th. It's June 9th. We're at a place to where this stuff has to be kicking off. This stuff has to make it uh, make its way through, and, and I'm not sure uh, that that's, that's the direction that it's headed. Uh, is it possible? Is the possibility of a shorter game uh, still in play? I think. I think absolutely. I think. It, you know, it, it's it's one thing for when you're in negotiations to say we're on, we're on the same page, just different book. I'm not sure Major League Baseball and the and the Players Association are in the same library. I'm just being quite honest. I, I don't know that they're in the same library. I I think the players understand and 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 again i'm 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 as much of a fence straggler on this on this topic as i'll ever be uh i think the players understand that that based on how they take a prorated contract affects future contracts that's their that's their just you know that's their position they don't want to they don't want to stunt the growth that is where where pay and where things need to be Based on how this is handled, and there's there's something to be said about that. But for Major League Baseball, they understand uh, that that they're not going to get concession money, they're not going to get merchandise money, they're not going to get ticket money. So they also they have a bottom line to meet as well. So uh, I think there's a there's a big sticking point and a big disconnect between uh, one side and the other, and 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 ultimately, uh, you know, they're going to have to close that gap. Somebody asked, "How much longer can negotiations take?" <laughs> I don't know. I, I I think it's it's an open ended deal because right now there's no games to be played. I mean, I look at it as the season is still off at this point because they're they're just they're just so far apart. It's almost like a soap opera. Like you know, at some point they're going to get back together because they always do. Because they they they. They have that kind of relationship that they they don't like each other but they have to like each other cuz they work better together than they do apart. I feel like that's what's going on with Major League Baseball and the Players Association. They know at some point they've got to come back home. They understand at some point games have to be played and at some point people are going to get over this so proper that is. But right now, I mean, I'm talking about it segment number 1 on a on a little you know, on a small market uh, sports radio show here in Blunt County. So it's doing what it needs to do. It's it's getting the the talk up. It's it's getting some things going, and uh, and like I said, I I don't know that there's a backstop on this. I do think you know some people have said it. You know, the the longer the delay, the shorter the season. If the backstop truly has to be October the thirty first, uh, I I don't know that there's a reason why you backstop that. I understand the whole don't want to play in the cold thing, but I mean, is that the worst thing that's ever happened? Playing in the cold? But anyway, uh safety and security above all else, uh, obviously. But um uh, you, you know, I, I just I talk about this because I think it's it is becoming a soap opera. It is it is comical because I think you, you know, you have players that want to play, you have players that want to get paid. You have major league baseball franchises that want to play and you have penny bean counter penny pinchers mlb franchises that want to count money and i and i think i think there are combinations of that that are ready to play right now that get together and understand each other and want to play right now but um you you know that that's not where we're at and, and and like I said I'm I'm interested in the reasons that we haven't seen and maybe it's because the union the players union is literally together on this in, in its top down uh look at things but I'm I'm surprised that the uh the strike slash scab season hasn't came up because I I think that's a real real product I think that's a real thing uh to try you ever you ever seen the movie Major League I mean it could happen. Willie Mays Hayes. You could see Wild Thing out there. You could, you could, uh, what was, what was the big tall guy that had the little voodoo doll? Like, I'm, 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 a, I'm drawing a blank. I know his name was Joe Fu, but I don't know, uh, what his name was. Serrano. Serrano. Uh, ha- you could have all those, those personalities. I mean, they're out there. You just got to go get them. Probably in the Southern League because any, any place that you go and your, your team names are the Jumbo Shrimp and, uh, and, and those those kind of names you know you go out uh, California way, I think it's in New Mexico. Uh, they're the Chihuahuas. I mean, I think you go to those teams and you find really good players and you get after it and just just kind of figure out when uh, when people want to come back to play uh, see how that goes when they can cross that line but but nonetheless, uh, I think it may come to that uh, i I don't think that they're interested in getting to an agreement right now. I think they understand uh, under the current, negotiations they have some agreement on guaranteed money Uh, if they take concession to that then that's where um, they're they're setting precedent and doing those things so I think they're still far away I don't think there's any way in in today in yesterday's agreement what they proposed we will not have baseball uh, on July 10th there will not be baseball on July 10th. So uh, if they can get something put together, we'll go down that road. But at this point, I think we're more likely to have a scab season than we are to have a real season. And that's kind of that's kind of disheartening, but that's where we're at. But let's take our first break of the day, listen to these great sponsors. When we come back, we're going to talk about the NCAA. Tennessee has football players back on campus. That's a great thing to see. But the NCAA is looking to roll out a 6 week launch plan that could tell us how football's to get back on track and how we're going to do it. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Tuesday edition. Come on back. You don't want to miss it.
0: Your hometown alternative to ordinary sports radio. 100.9 FM 850 AM Rocky Top Sports
1: or go to DonnaCry.com. M-I-G is an equal housing lender.
2: This is the year to rock your swimming pool with Rule King, your source for pool supplies at the lowest prices every day. Aquamate Pool Shock is great for giving your pool a quick chlorine boost to help balance your pool chemistry, and it's just $2.59 for a one-pound bag. Once balanced, maintain the chlorine with Aquamate 3-inch Giant Pool Tablets. Pick up 24.5 pounds for just $57.99. Check out all the pool supplies at your neighborhood Rule King, America's Farm and Home Store. Your local Blunt County Community Food Connection is still open serving local families in time of need and hardship. We provide prepackaged groceries to help meet your nutritional and dietary needs. The Community Food Connection is open Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday from 10 a.m. until noon for drive-up delivery only. Residents are asked to remain in their vehicle so that our volunteers may safely distribute the food. Directions as to how to enter and depart the facility will be clearly displayed. We thank you for your cooperation and look forward to serving you at your Blount County Community Food Connection.
1: Have you been asking yourself if it's time to take that business idea and make it a reality? Do you need help with marketing or getting a leg up on the competition? Then check out my friends at 42nd Street Marketing right here in Maryville, a company invested in Blunt County and ready to help. They can take your business to the next level. Mike, Janet, and the staff at 42nd Street are a dream to work with, and I'm proud to say that they built the grindonsports.com into what it is today. But if you need marketing and maybe don't know where to start, check out my guys at 42nd Street Marketing right here in Maryville. Their phone number is 865-982-7007, or you can check out their work online, 42SD.com. Again, phone line is 865-982-7007 or online at 42SD.com. Check them out. I think you'll be glad you did. Got golf? Got golf?
2: iguanifarmsgolf.com 970-7132
1: Have you heard about or seen The Grind's brand new user-friendly website? If the answer is no, I think you're kind of missing out. Our brand new website has ways to hook into The Grind from social media with links to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and SoundCloud so you can grind it out with us on social media. But if you say, I don't like social media, But I like podcasts. We've got those, too. You can download The Grind Podcast on Apple Podcast and Google Play Music directly from the website. It's a one-stop shop for everything The Grind. Check us out online,
0: thegrindonsports.com. That's thegrindonsports.com. We don't always promise to be perfect, but we promise to give you our honest opinion. This is sports radio from a fan's perspective. You're listening to The Grind on 100.9 FM, 850 AM, Rocky Top Sports.
1: welcome back inside the WKVL studios of Rocky Top Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser, and you're listening to the Tuesday edition of The Grind. Again, going to jump into NCAA football right here as the Oversight Committee has drafted a six-week practice plan for schools to launch this 2020 football season. Again, I'm going to give credit to Heather Dinnage, ESPN senior writer, because I will pull from her. Article that was posted there last night, but it said in order to kick off the college football season on time, coaches throughout the country could begin working with their players as soon as July sixth. As required meetings and walkthroughs could start in mid-July if a proposed six-week practice plan would be approved by the NCAA later this month. The the oversight committee will finalize a draft of the long-awaited plan by Thursday but it is to be approved in the next meeting, which is scheduled for June the 17th of the NCAA. Uh, The color-coded draft obtained by ESPN on Monday was circulated throughout conferences so schools could solicit feedback. Uh, Todd Berry, the executive director of the American Football Coaches Association, was on uh, last week's football oversight teleconference and said most of the coaches he had talked to – support the plan which includes a new two-week period for coach supervised walkthroughs and meetings it says there's been a lot of trying to find compromises to try to make it as equitable as possible but equity is very hard to find so you're looking more for for fairness than anything else uh barry said he said i talked with a lot of our coaches and the majority of the coaches more than anything else just want to know what they can do Right now, that's more important than this team getting a little more uh, than what I'm getting. Right now, that's more important than this team getting a little more than what I'm getting. Um, that, I'm trying to read that differently, but it just doesn't make sense. But the beginning of coaching interaction would depend on the date of the first game. Some programs kick off the season on August the 29th, or, or as a lot of people call it, week zero, which moves the three phases of proposed activity, required workouts, enhanced training, uh, and, and everything up one week. For teams that begin the season on Labor Day weekend, the required workouts would begin on July 13th, followed by an enhanced training that would begin on July the 24th. Normal preseason camp normally would be August the 7th. It said the switch from voluntary workouts, which have been staggered start across the country this month, to required participation in summer access is a normal transition in the sports calendar, but the recommendation of an additional two weeks specifically for coach-supervised walkthroughs and meetings was added with the hope of giving coaches extra time to evaluate players' conditioning and playbook knowledge. Uh, Players aren't allowed to wear helmets or pads during walkthroughs. According to the plan, they can use footballs, but it it will be different than NFL OTAs Uh, Barry said he said this was a way for us to spend more time evaluating their conditioning which has some relevance here and then a little bit of football to get them excited about it get them back in the groove Uh, not OTAs where you're running around but just getting back into understanding of the plays he said under the new proposal the athletes can have up to 20 hours of countable athletically related activities including weight training conditioning film review walkthroughs and meetings says, we're approaching this in the right way and being thoughtful about making it safe for student-athletes. Uh, Ross Bjork, Texas A&M Athletic Director, told uh, ESPN. said, I think that's the key, to have the ability to have some enhanced access because everything has been condensed or shortened in the spring. I think this is the right way to do it. A normal four-week preseason camp would begin after the additional two weeks of enhanced training. And as players across the country have begun to return to campuses for voluntary work, uh, they have already been some positive tests reported, but athletic office, offices and officials are continuing to plan for an on time start to the season in spite of some looming uncertainty. It says, until something happens that keeps us from seeing that as a reality, continues to be a, a goal for the short term. Bob Bowlesby, the Big 12 commissioner, uh, said in a statement I said, I think we're. We're going to get to the section in the middle of July and we'll either be in good shape or that we can move forward or we won't. Uh, he said, West Virginia Athletic Director Shane Lyons, who's the chair of the Football Oversight Committee, uh, told Andrea Adelson that there is one area that might change between the proposed calendar and what gets approved on Thursday, and that is shortening the window between the start of required workouts on July 13th and starting enhanced training on July 24th. Uh, some people are thinking the summer access is too long. Uh, based on the feedback the committee has already received, there's a concern by making that part a requirement. It extends it too long a period and whether that should be adjusted to make it shorter, longer, et cetera. Instead of starting on the 13th, starting on the 20th, I haven't heard of all the concerns, and that's what it, why it puts out the conferences uh, to start getting more input. That's why the, the, the proposal went out uh, yesterday. Lyon said the reason the committee decided on a longer window between voluntary workouts and the, uh, and the required stuff to start tw- the 24th uh, was they preferred a slower ramp-up. Uh, this was uh, the rationale. Instead of just going from voluntary to 20 hours, it's a, a way to approach and ramping up the hours from a requirement standpoint. Uh, Lyon also added that even though some coaches wanted to try and get in extra time to make up for lost spring practices, that simply wasn't feasible considering the time restraints. The return plan is the only thing on the agenda for the committee on Thursday, and Lyon wants to come to a consensus then before sending it to the council for approval, the NCAA Division I council, that is. It says, I want to be all buttoned up as much as possible, and I want us to agree on it and not get it to the floor of the council and let it get torn apart. It's likely to he pre- said, I'd like to present it, and I'd like to be more or less rubber-stamped as opposed to the debate starting on the council floor. It says there's, this is all a compromise with a proposal. There's some that want earlier, some that want later. Uh, we can all agree upon it uh, going to work on this model. He said, I don't think there's going to be a perfect model by any means, and everybody that will totally agree on. But what we have to do is do what's in the best interest of student athletes as we prepare for a September 5th start uh, to the football season, or whenever uh, a particular institution would start, that's the goal, the objective, and and something that we're going to target to button up by Thursday. So that's a, that's a good timeline. That's a good backstop to look at as we as we put this stuff together. Bowlesby, the the Big 12 commissioner, uh, said. It's still too early to make any decisions as as what the the college football playoff or bowl eligibility would look like given given changes to the season. I think at this point, if you're looking to plan a original start date, you would plan original uh, play out of the season. But I think at this rate, uh, you don't know how that's going to go. He says, "I think you play as many games as you possibly play, and you make an assessment halfway through the season or something." Uh, so that you you can kind of understand if you're going to have to make any changes. He said, I think everybody's experience is going to be different. It's going to be localized, and some people will blaze right through 12 games, and others will struggle uh, off and on throughout the season. He said, there's still a chance the season could be extended or shortened, depending on which direction the pandemic goes. Uh, We're just going to have to see how the season unfolds and deal with it. Uh, That's what Bowlesby, uh, the Big 12 commissioner, Uh, put out there in in this article but you know I think I I think this is this is a good approach honestly I wish Major League Baseball would look at this approach and 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 look at it and say here's the deal Uh, everybody got a shortened spring there was some people that had a really early spring practice that got more in than others but nonetheless I think everybody uh, in in a in a general sense were shortened across the 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 summer or, or across spring workouts with that being said, I I don't know how this is going to I don't know how this is bad for anybody. Uh you, you know, I think uh those who say that this is too long of a ramp up period, uh obviously either don't have the resources to dedicate to to getting these guys going or or they uh you know, they're they're trying to use the element of surprise to have some some advantage here in 2020. I, I'm not sure who those schools are, so I can't really speak to what I feel like the the uh, objective in their in their concern is, but what I can say is is these kids are are ready to be back. I I think you know you, you know like the article said, there's been some positive tests after returning. Alabama's had I think five plus now. I think other schools have had some that that were asymptomatic, but they test positive when they come back. And I think that's the ebb and flow of this return that we're going to have to see what that looks like. There's there's all kinds of contingencies that you can make a plan well if you have 10 then you do this if you have this you do that and i, and I think that's all re- well and good but i think ultimately you got to get back together you got to see where their minds at you got to see where their bodies at because at the end of the day we want to start on september 5th but if these guys have been on the couch eating cheetos for the last two and a half months they're probably not ready they're physically not ready, and if you roll them out there to try to do this and, and you don't give that evaluation time to, to ensure that, then then you, you run the risk of getting these guys injured. And, and ultimately, uh, it's about student athletes. Yes, it's about fans. Yes, it's about uh, universities. Yes, it's about revenue. But at the end of the day, um, college football is a vehicle. Uh, I mean, just just quite frankly, it's a vehicle to either get these guys a degree that they can take and make a great career with, or it's a it's a vehicle to get them to the NFL. Period. You know, yes, it, it's it's you know it, it's 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 a a school function that that they're taking part in, and they should be at a student first, and, and those things. Well, I don't see that that it being plastered all over all, all over national media whether colleges are going to be back on campus or not until football season rolled around. Just putting that out there. So, uh, with that with that kind of cleared up, football is a, is a thing, and yes, it's important, and yes, we got to get these guys back on the on the on the fields. But I, I think this is a, a great. Uh, I, I like the trajectory of this return. I like the Ju- June the eighth. People can come back. They can work out, and 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 as just speaking for Tennessee, you've seen a lot of kids come back. You've seen a lot of the the leadership of this team back on campus. Uh, you've seen a lot of the 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 guys that are going to push this team more so than some of the coaching staff. Uh, you see those guys back on campus, and they're working. And I think ultimately this month will be huge just to get their body back right because they can work with the strength staff. They can they can. Understand what they need to be doing, and then take it upon themselves. And that tells the coaching coaching staff what they're willing to work for, what they're doing, and uh, and the work that they're putting in. So I think all of that is is ultimately important when you look at starting uh, this season. But I think you look at it, and and the return around the the July the mid July timing. Uh, I like that because it's a little bit extended to recover some of the spring practice. But it's not so much that, uh, you know, they're two months deep and you, you've you already got guys that's having to take practices off maintenance days uh, before the season kicks off. I think there is a balance there uh, to, to have fresh legs when you start a season uh, and not try to have a spring and a fall camp uh, back-to-back. So uh, I like the extended, but I think it's uh, you, you've got to monitor what you do with certain groups, especially the big guys. Uh, i think it could it could feel really good in 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 early or mid and late july but then by late august uh you're wishing you would have taken some of those practice off those big guys legs so i think that's for each coaching staff to to manage but i, I think uh you, you know as Bowlesby said and as as a lot of these these athletic directors said and guys that are well closer to the situation than i'll ever be i said we're just going to have to see how it unfolds and deal with it and and move forward from there. I like I like that I like the the quiet confidence, if you will, and I like the uh, the the moving forward uh, mindset that uh, it seems like has been a, a hesitancy uh, to get back to. So I'm I'm excited about what that looks like. I'm excited about how that that could unfold, and I, I like that the NCAA uh, is pushing uh, for a return to college football so again we'll see after Thursday hopefully maybe Friday morning and I can speak to the vote that was Thursday uh, day uh, for this NCAA proposal see what came out of that and hopefully we can uh, have a, a light at the end of the tunnel a date marked on the calendar that football will return uh, to campuses and, and return to some semblance of normalcy uh, that we can talk about here on this show, but uh, I, I think the the key point in this whole article is said. There's been a lot of trying to find compromise and and be as equitable as possible. That's what it's about. It's about what is value added, what will get us ready, but what won't tear these kids down and allow them to play a 12 game season. So I think that's a that's the the tiptoe mark that you've got to hit. And ultimately, that's why they do that, and I don't. I just get to talk about what they do and whether I like it or not. And that's a, that's a pretty cool chair to sit in uh, because I, I understand that that's probably very, very difficult uh, to get off and and running. So uh, let's take us another quick break, listen to these great sponsors. When we come back on the back side of the show, we're at halfway point right now. We're going to talk 88 days Until it's football time in Tennessee, 88 days. Tim McGee days until it's football time in Tennessee. Marvin Harrison days until it's football time in Tennessee. And uh, maybe Tony Gonzalez days until it's football time in Tennessee. A lot of 88s to talk about in the National Football League and for the Big Orange. We'll talk about it on The Flip. You're listening to The Grind, 100.9 FM, 8.50 a.m. And streaming at WKVL.com. We'll be right back. You don't want to miss it. go to donnacry.com. MIG is an equal housing lender.
2: The Blunt Partnership is committed to leading the Blunt County business community through this coronavirus outbreak. We will continue to be a resource for all businesses, as well as supplying up-to-date information for our community. Please check out our website for updated information at www.bluntchamber.com or search for Blunt Chamber on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.
1: This is Wayne and let me start by saying thanks for listening and I hope you like what we're grinding on today and what we like to call the fastest hour here in Blunt County but we wanted to take a minute to let you know how you can join in give your take on today's topics you can give us a call grind time hotline 865-983-4310 that's 865-983-4310 but if you don't have time or you're on that morning grind give us a message on our website Thegrindonsports.com. You can drop a comment, leave a message, and we'll get your opinion on the air. I look forward to
2: hearing from you. And as always, thanks for putting the grind on your mind. A public service announcement from Knox Area Rescue Ministries and your friends at Blunt Broadcasting Corporation. During the Safer at Home order, Knox Area Rescue Ministries has continued to provide a home to those without one. It's shown why CARM is an essential business in our community. CARM Stores was recently designated as an essential business as well. CARM Stores thank you for your previous support and are excited to announce the reopening of donation centers and stores. As we resume receiving your generous donations, we recognize that business might not be completely as usual. We will continue to monitor guidelines from local officials and practice safe social distancing recommendations. We appreciate your continued support of Knox Area Rescue Ministries and CARM stores as we remain dedicated to serving the homeless, needy, and vulnerable during this time. A public service announcement from Knox Area Rescue Ministries and your friends at Blunt Broadcasting Corporation.
1: Are you looking for a place to relax and have fun after work or a place to fill the weekend fun? Check out the Party Pub in the heart of Maryville. They open at 730 AM and have daily drink specials. They have darts, karaoke, and billiards daily, as well as Tennessee football each and every Big Orange Saturday in the fall. So check out the Party Pub on Ellis Avenue in downtown Maryville, a place where they treat you like family,
2: and it's always a good time. El Himidor Mexican Grill, authentic Mexican food in Maryville, Tennessee for the past 15 years. Open Sunday through Thursday, 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. Friday and Saturday, 11 a.m. to 10.30 p.m. El Jimidor offers Monday through Friday lunch specials with their 15 minutes or free guarantee. Call your order in at 865-681-6040 and delivery is available. You'll enjoy a comfortable environment while gathering with family and friends at El Himidor Mexican Grill, located at 1705 East Lamar Alexander Parkway in Maryville, Tennessee. El Jimidor Mexican Grill, a proud sponsor of Blunt County Sports. Have you heard about or seen the Grand's brand new
1: user-friendly website? If the answer is no, I think you're kind of missing out Our brand new website has ways to hook into the grind from social media with links to facebook twitter instagram and soundcloud so you can grind it out with us on social media but if you say i don't like social media but i like podcasts we've got those too you can download the grind podcast on apple podcast and google play music directly from the website it's a one-stop shop for everything the grind check us out online thegrindonsports.com that's
0: thegrindonsports.com we don't always promise to be perfect but we promise to give you our honest opinion this is sports radio from a fan's perspective you're listening to the grind on 100.9 fm 850 a.m rocky top sports
1: And welcome back inside the WkBL Studios of Rocky top sports I'm Wayne Kaiser and you're listening to the Tuesday edition of the grind as we as we get guys back on campus early enrollees that that wanted to get in on spring but didn't have uh, have stayed around campus and are now being able to get back in the facilities but yesterday they put an article out about early guys or young guys freshmen coming back to Tennessee and getting started. Uh, with their time for the Vols. Four-star edge rusher Morvin Joseph, four-star linebacker Bryson Eason, four-star linebacker Martavis French, Keyshawn Lawrence, another four-star safety, and then four-star athlete Lanith Whitehead each showed up on campus and put pictures on the official social media account of the football team. Several other names have been seen around campus and announced their arrival on social media. Tyler Barron. Jalen Hyatt, Omari Thomas, the T. Hodge from Maryville High School, and Tamarian McDonald. So a lot of these guys have come on to uh, to kind of stake their claim, get their their place in, in, in what they're going to do for Tennessee. Quarterback Harrison Bailey, Cooper Mays, defensive tackle Dominic Bailey and receiver Jimmy Holiday all arrived early at Tennessee ahead of spring practice uh but then but those newcomers did not get the the advantage they thought they were getting as covid-19 shut things down just two practices in however voluntary workouts re- will return starting yesterday the first step in getting back to campus and getting things back to normal uh, assuming everything goes to plan the volunteers do plan to open this 2020 campaign September 5th against the Charlotte 49ers but uh, guys that uh, the guys that i'm excited about again you see jimmy holliday's already listed as a receiver uh, actually actually signed as a quarterback so i think that switch is necessary but excited about t hodge getting on campus excited to see what number uh, t picks up uh, again what he what he wore at Maryville, uh is is a good number to take take with you uh, but uh, we'll see if he can uh, if he picks up 44 or what he does uh, when he gets with the big orange. Excited for that young man. As uh, last postseason, uh, he 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 looked like a man amongst boys. And and in the biggest game, uh, the state championship game, he uh, he rose up and showed up. And then they blew up. So uh, it was a it was a nice uh, finish to his his senior season. And uh, and a look forward uh, to what is hopefully to be a good four years uh, at Tennessee. So. Looking at the uh, the 88 days until it's football time in Tennessee, we want to look at at who wore that for the Vols, who wore it before, and who's wearing it now. If you look at, at the Vols, kind of the, the player you remember that wore 88 for the Vols is Tim McGee. I think 83 to 85 wide receiver Tim McGee earned All-American honors his senior year uh, by becoming Tennessee's greatest pass catcher. Uh, he caught 50 vol- 50 balls for 947 yards and seven touchdowns while leading the Vols to the 85 SEC title and eventual uh, Sugar Bowl champion. McGee finished his career with 123 catches, 2,042 yards, and 15 touchdowns, all Tennessee records when he left Knoxville. He was the Vols' leading receiver his final two seasons on the hill, setting a single-season record for receptions with 54 in his junior year, a record that has since been broken, but he held on to while he was uh, was well in Knoxville. Johnny Bill Hudson. Uh, he he was a left end, 59 through 62. He wore 88. He said, "My favorite thing about wearing the the orange shirt number 88 was representing the University of Tennessee." Uh, pretty short and sweet, but told the story. Of what what had happened, but it's interesting about Tim McGee wearing '88 because I, I listened to the the recap of the '85 uh, Sugar Bowl. I've done it about twice since this COVID deal. I watched the uh, the the little Sugar Vols DVD, and then also the Vol Network has been doing some reairs on Saturdays, and I caught uh, I caught a version of that. But uh, Tim McGee, it was funny because uh, he he's a big part in in a lot of games uh, in that that '85 Sugar Vols uh campaign obviously uh in his junior and senior year which were 84 and 85 uh he had the opportunity uh to lead the team in receiving so he was a big component in that but uh it uh Tim McGee you know if i'm not mistaken he outrun uh Benny Blades uh who played for for Miami and uh uh on the national broadcast uh it was uh, who was it it was it was Keith Jackson and somebody else. I'd I'd have to go back and look at who the color guy was. But that they're looking at him and McGee's running away from Benny Blades and 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 they say, but Keith, Keith, Benny Blades has world class speed. He didn't have world class speed that day. <laughs> he did world class was it's which world are you playing in? And 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 so I, I just remember that. And and if I'm not mistaken, that was Tim McGee running away from him. So anyway, nonetheless, uh, big time, big time player for the Vols. All time 88s for Tennessee. Ralph Honeycutt wore it for the first time. 46 through 49. George Carter wore it in 1950. Eddie Stowers 1951 on the national championship team. Joel Kenley wore it in 52. Ron Gust 54. Eddie Young. 1955, Tommy Potts, in 56 through 58. Johnny Bill Hudson, 59 through 62. Bobby Frazier, 63 through 65. Nick Showalter, 66 and 67 on a national championship team. Bobby Thomas, 1968. Ronnie Drummond, 69, 70. Stan Trott, 71 and 2. Jim Richardson, 73, 74. Russ Neal, wore it in 75 and 76. Steve L. Davis, Wore it in 1977. Jeff Moore wore it in 78. Mike Miller wore it 79 through 82. Tim McGee picked it up 83 to 85. Took it to new heights. Tracy Hayworth 87 to 89. Jeremy Spavvy wore it 91, 92. Courtney Epps 94. Andy McCullough wore at 95 through 97. Another name that that made it uh, well known: Jermaine Kent 98 through 01. Wore it for a national championship. Jake Finlayson. Big tight end wore it, 03 through 05. Kevin Shipley, 05. Uh, and then Luke Stocker, 07 through 10. And then Cam Clear wore it in 2011. Current balls to wear, number 88, Latrell Bumpfus. Defensive lineman, 6'3", 286. He's a senior coming up from Savannah, Tennessee, by way of Hardin County High School. And Princeton Fant, tight end, 6'2", 234. Redshirt junior, Nashville, Tennessee, by way of Laverne High School, and I saw Princeton fan at practice one time, and he's he's kind of tweened because he's six th- he's six two, which I think that's probably a short six two because he's a big man. He's tweened between tight end and running back, fullback, a lot of different places. But I tell you, he's a load. He's a full head of steam when he can get going, and uh, I, I like what he can do. I think he's a lead blocking machine, and 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 maybe hopefully. Uh, we could use him as such because he's he's a big man and and a guy that uh, athletically just needs to see the field. But all-time 88, you, you think of guys like Tim McGee, uh, you think of, you know lately uh, guys maybe look back to Finleyson or, or Luke Stalker. But I think hopefully uh, Latrell Bumpus and Princeton Fant can walk in those 88 shoes and have some success uh, in in that picture but you look at the nfl hall of famers 88 is a number that that carries a lot of weight if you if you search you can go to pro football hall of fame and search by jersey number and it's pretty cool because you you look and you're like huh those are numbers that that really took off like of course uh number one has several guys uh number number 16 has a lot of guys uh number 20 number 22 have several names but you march on down the list and it kind of gets thin you know you, you've got 81 that has a bunch of guys, Doug Atkins being one of those, uh, former of all, but when you look at 88, you look at guys like Marvin Harrison. You look at guys like Tony Gonzalez. You look at, at guys like uh, Michael Playmaker Irvin. Uh, I mean, a guy that, that wore 88 for the Cowboys and really, um, you, you know, had a really nice career uh, wearing that number. But trying to march down just looking at Tony Gonzalez, you know, he played forever. I mean, of course, arguably one of the better tight ends, longest-living tight ends in the league history, played for, for a lot of different franchises. Um, he said, what football has always taught me is on the football field, you're going to be afraid. Adversity is going to come towards you, and you can't run from it. I love that from Tony. But you look at it, he came out of Cal, 6'5", 250-pound first-round pick, 13th overall, 97 NFL draft by the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, made an immediate impact as a rookie, never caught less than 59 passes in a season other than that rookie season, was traded to the Atlanta Falcons, and at the time of the retirement, ranked second in career receptions, most seasons with 50 or more receptions, and most consecutive games with a reception at 211 games. He was born in 1976 and made a name for himself in the National Football League with a long Long, long career, seventeen seasons in the league, and and uh, a lot of records that still hold true in the National Football League. Michael Playmaker Irvin played for the Cowboys, uh, played for the Cowboys in the the heyday of Dallas uh, in the mid nineties. Uh, he played twelve full seasons out of Miami, Florida. He he went from a hurricane to a cowboy. 6'2", 207 pounds. Michael Jerome Irvin was Cowboys' first round pick. In the 88 draft, so 88 War number 88, uh, led league with 1,523 yards on 93 catches in 91, selected to five straight Pro Bowls, recorded 1,000-yard seasons in all but one year from 91 to 98, set NFL record 1,100-yard games in 1995, 750 career receptions for 11,904 yards and 65 touchdowns. He was named to the NFL's all-decade team of the 90s, which was that's a who's who of of great football there in that decade, Uh, and then born in 1966 in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. But from the U to the the big D, uh, Michael Irvin said, the thing that gave me an edge was my work ethic. I was one of those guys who felt the more you worked, the better you got. It was a confidence thing, and I enjoyed working. Uh, another guy on the list of 88s to be in the Hall of Fame, uh, Marvin Harrison. I love Marvin Harrison. Again, he was Peyton's big target early in his career. He said, I know what type of player I am and what can what I can do on the football field. It's just a matter of getting the ball in my hands as I go downfield and see what I can do. Uh, he played 13 seasons. Uh, he was out of Syracuse. A 6-foot, 181-pound receiver was the Colts' first-round pick, 19, 19th overall in 1996. Three touchdowns in a, in a game, nine different times, remarkable string of eight straight years with 1,000-plus receiving yards, 10 or more touchdowns, and then shattered the NFL's single-season reception record with 143 in 2002 from uh, the one and only Peyton Manning. Eight Pro Bowl appearances, all Pro six different times, the NFL's all-decade team of the 2000s, and career numbers include 1,102 career receptions, for fourteen thousand five hundred and eighty yards and hundred and twenty-eight touchdown. August twenty-fifth, nineteen seventy-two is the birthday of Marvin Harrison out of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Uh, again, uh, the the uh, the one and only the the match made in heaven uh, for the Indianapolis Colts, Peyton Manning to Marvin Harrison, and uh, and it worked. It worked for a long time, and that's why uh, Harrison has made his way uh, to to that league. You look at other guys in the, in the Hall of Fame at number 88 defensive tackle Alan Page. He he played 15 seasons out of Notre Dame. Uh, he was a big guy at the time, 6'4, 245, uh, consensus All-American. Uh, he was a first-round pick uh, in 1966. Uh, extremely fast, strong with cat-like reflexes. Played in 238 straight games, including four Super Bowls. Uh, named most value NFL's most valuable player 1971. Uh, NFL Defensive Player of the Year, 71 and 73, All NFL six times, Second Team All NFL three other times, All Conference ten times, elected to nine straight Pro Bowls, and had 23 fumble recoveries, 28 blocked kicks, 173 sacks. A man from Canton, Ohio, made his way uh, to enshrinement uh, back in those in in that location and uh, he's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Defensive tackle, Alan Page. Uh, other guys that are on the list, uh, Lynn Swan. Uh, Lynn Swan's a name that, that, that Jeffy Mack will remember. Wide receiver Lynn Swan uh, wore 88 for the Steelers. Nine seasons, a 5'11", 180-pound Steelers first-round draft pick in 1974. Caught game-winning touchdown in the AFC Championship as a rookie and became starting wide receiver in his second season led the NFL with 11 touchdown receptions and an MVP of Super Bowl 10 graceful moves tremendous leaping ability is what he's known for and led to superlative catches that highlighted a great career he, his career record 336 receptions 5462 yards 51 touchdowns all pro 75 77 and 78 and played in 3 Different Pro Bowls, and where was he born? March the seventh, nineteen fifty-two, right here, Alcoa, Tennessee. Uh, Lynn Swan, class of two thousand one, enshrinement, and what he said in that speech. He said, "People say I perform well in the big games. Maybe that's because I have more fun in those games. When there's no next week, when six months of work is riding on every play, and you come that you come to, that's the ultimate. That's the rush we're all in this for." And that was what he said. As he was enshrined in Canton uh, back in two thousand one, so an Alcoa native is enshrined in Canton, and he, wo- he wore the number eighty eight. So, uh, with five minutes to go here, that's a that's a good rundown of who all is in the the NFL Hall of Fame. Alcoa native uh, in the Hall of Fame, and then. Uh, 1988, a, a year that in sports, I tried to, you know, before we were going over some other things that were going on, but I just wanted to speak to sports things that were going on in 88. Uh, Super Bowl XXII, the Washington Redskins win their, their their second Super Bowl title and fourth title in franchise history, 42-10 to 10 over the Denver Broncos. Uh, Jamie Morris and Washington Redskins set an NFL single-game record for rushing attempts in a 20-17 loss to the Cincinnati Bengals had 45 rushing attempts for Jamie Morris. January 1st, uh, 1988, for the 87 season, the Miami Hurricanes won the 2120-14 20, 20 over the Oklahoma Sooners to win the college football national championship. In nineteen eighty-eight, the Seoul South Korea Winter Olympics or Summer Olympics, I'm sorry, was taking place in in Seoul Korea. Um, in baseball, former Pirates slugger Willie Stargell is the only player elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame in 88. He was, he was the leader of two World Series championships in Pittsburgh and the National League co-MVP in 79 at age 39. Uh, becomes the 17th player to be elected in his first year of eligibility. And Jim Bunning in 88 falls four vo- votes short of the 321 needed to get in in his 13th year on the ballot august 8th the first night game ever at wrigley field was played after an attempt to previous night was rained out the cubs defeat the new york mets six to four in the first night game ever in wrigley field in 1988 world series the la dodgers won four games to one over the oakland a's the series mvp was oral hersheiser uh, los angeles so again the dodgers were the world series champ the Hurricanes were the college football champs, and the Washington Redskins were the uh, NFL champions. The, the NCAA Men's Basketball Championship saw Kansas win over Oklahoma 83-79, and the L.A. Lakers won four games to three over the Detroit Bad Boy Pistons. And then in, in boxing, uh, Iron Barkley knocked out Thomas Hearns in the third round to win the WBC middleweight title. And uh, in Las Vegas, boxer Sugar Ray Leonard knocks out Donnie Lalonde uh, to get what he was, what he wanted to do as moving up in those those championships. And then on June 27, in what's dubbed Super Fight 88, Mike Tyson knocked out Michael Spinks in Atlantic City, New Jersey, to defend the undisputed heavyweight championship of the world in the gray cup of canadian football the winnipeg blue bombers won 22 21 over the bc lions and um that's about it uh in golf uh looks like there was some uh there uh, no, no notable uh big time big time guys there um that's about it uh in the uh trying to find the uh the triple crown if there was any uh No, no. In the United States Triple Crown, the Kentucky Derby winner was Winning Colors, the Preakness winner was Risen Star, and the Belmont winner was Risen Star. So an opportunity in the two and three uh, that was missed at the Kentucky Derby. So no Triple Crown winner in 88, but a lot of cool victories uh, for a lot of guys. Mike Tyson was on top of the boxing world and uh, Kansas on top of the basketball world. Now they're just clinging to being in the basketball world. Uh, So what a difference a few decades uh, will make. But that's the uh, 88 days till it's football time in Tennessee. Uh, We're right here at the top of the hour. Don't miss the Jason Swain and the Swain event coming up at the top of the hour in what is a four-hour block of sports right here at Blount County's own Rocky Top Sports. And uh, it's one of those deals. If you want to be part of this, if you like sports and you you think there's none to be talked about, Check it out here in the mornings. If this is your first day listening, go check us out on SoundCloud. Go to the go to our website, uh, thegrindonsports.com. You can get everything that we're doing, everything we have done uh, since this show's inception back in 2018. But uh, we're out of time. Again, don't miss Jason Swain and the Swain event, top of the hour. But if you're on your way to work or on your way home, take care. Be safe. And, yes, grind on. We'll see you tomorrow. You don't want to miss it. Boone, back in studio.